This is a spoiler warning, you insignificant worms. So take heed, for I am Baalzaman, heart of the dark. The lowly mortal who creates this content has read the series cover to cover, book to book, many, many times. He will be discussing everything he can think of, irrelevant, relevant, regardless. So... Take heed of my warning. If you have not read the series all the way through and spoil something for yourself, well, who is to blame, listener? Not I. Not I. Hello all and welcome back to Gleeman Radio, your daily dose for the Wheel of Time, at least Monday through Friday. Um, I am super excited, as you always know, for me to come back to Return to the Wheel of Time, Episode 9, The Eye of the World, Chapter 8, A Place of Safety. Cam's finally going to get healed. Hooray! This is going to be great. Uh, but before we get into that, let's talk about what happened last time. Uh, last time, Rand got into the village after an exhausting, horrible, miserable night, and he was kind of, like, freaked out to discover that, you know, the town was half burned down, the Trollocs had been there too, it's, it's kind of messed up. Yeah, so, Nynaeve can't help Tam, and that was horribly, horribly depressing to Rand, but then he thinks of the mayor, I don't know how he's supposed to help, but... He runs off to the mayor and sees Tom Marilyn. Of course, my favorite character jumps down to help without an issue and in a roundabout way brings us to go to the Ice and Ice. She can heal your father. But, you know, he can't really say that straight out because there's places in the Westlands or Randlands, whatever you're going to call it, that that can get you executed. So it's kind of smart, Tam, like Tom, when it went around roundabout course to get that done. So, uh, I do know some of you guys sometimes skip my intro and outro. Makes total sense. That's not always what you want to listen to. That is fine. But do make sure you listen right past the end of Chapter 8's uh, discussion, uh, right before the outro, because I want to put out a little theory I have on what the Ring of Tamerlan is. If you remember back from my first podcast, uh, we discussed what the Ring of Tamerlan is. Uh, we, we talked about that it was worn by the first of the servants, that it was either a Turangrial, Angrial, or Songrial of immense power, and that it was named after the per first person to channel the one power. Now, I actually want to talk about what I think it is. I think it's a Turangrial, and I want to talk about that because I tried to do a Wheel of Time discussion video, and I just couldn't get the visuals right. I couldn't. There wasn't enough for me to pick through. It wasn't interesting enough visual-wise. So I'll just, like, throw it out at the end of this podcast. Because I'm really proud of that theory on what the ring is. I really am. The Ring of Tamerlan. Oh, this is going to be... This is going to be fantastic. So without further ado, I don't really want to waste any more time here. Let's just jump right into Chapter 8, A Place of Safety. And don't forget... Listen after the chapter discussion, just for a few minutes, and I will give you my theory on the Ring of Tamerlan. I think it's Turangriol, and I'm going to tell you why and what I think it does. I'm super excited about it. And yeah, without further ado, I think it's time for me to stop babbling and listen to the chapter, take my notes, and then find that clip of the day I'm going to use. God, guys, this really should be called Day of Interruptions. You know, I recorded that introduction at like 11 a.m. You know what it is now here while I'm recording? It's almost 6 p.m. Like, I, I, I was trying to do my notes, and then there's errands I have to run, and then I have to go make dinner, and then I have to go take people to appointments, and just... 
Oh, today has not been a very productive day. I just had to start and stop, start and stop, start and stop. And it just took forever to get through the chapter and to get all my notes down, you know? You have like a 45-minute chapter, according to Audible. And then you take in the fact that I have to pause it like every minute or so to write some stuff down. And then you take it to the fact that I have to keep stopping to do other stuff. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh, today has been <laughs> very busy. I'm glad I'm finally able to sit down and get this done. I I'm enjoying it, but it's just something I want to get done. Uh, so, A Place of Safety, uh, I mean, if this was a TV show episode, it would be a bottle episode. It all takes place inside the Wine Spring Inn, inside Tam's room, uh, where he's, you know, not well. Uh, Rand pushes through the door to see his father. No matter what anyone else said, it's his father. This, this might be my biggest pet peeve of the book so far. I mean, this is not something that ever bothered me before, but I just keep saying it. No matter what anyone else said, he's my father. I just, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. This is the man who raised you and loved you and, and complimented you and praised you and taught you everything you know and just what 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 what's the difference between blood and the person who chose to love you the fact that the person who chose to love you is probably even a better parent i just oh oh it's 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 getting it's getting annoying i'm not even going to lie uh, so yeah, he pushes his way in, uh, Moraine and Lan are behind him, and Tom and Bran are still there in the room, and Tom sees Moraine, and he's immediately uneasy. Um, as we know, he is not very friendly with Aes Sedai, so, uh, Moraine ignores everybody but Tam, and Tom leaves for a smoke. <laughs> He's like, oh, I gotta, uh, I gotta go have a smoke. Cause it was funny, cause he kind of pulled out his pipe like he wanted to smoke it there, and then he glances at Moraine, and he's like, oh, I can't really. So yeah, he 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 bails. He leaves to go have a smoke in the common room, and uh, as he wa as Lan watches him leave, he's like, I don't trust or like that man. Uh, where was he last night? And Bran's like, he must have been around. He didn't singe his cloak in front of the fireplace. And personally, I actually bet Tam, uh, Tom was helping out a lot. I bet there's more than one Trolloc out there in the burn pile that have holes in their eyes. You know, just Tom sending one of his knives through the eye and into the brain and killing it. I guarantee Tom dropped at least one or two Trollocs that night, man. Um, or maybe I'm thinking in later in the series because, you know, it gets to the point where Trollocs and Murdral aren't nearly as scary as they're portrayed in this book. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Moraine dismisses Bran, uh, and, which Bran isn't, like, super happy about. He's like, oh, this is kind of my end, but yeah, whatever. Tell me to leave and tell me to give me orders, whatever. He's an innkeeper. It's not like he's in the hospitality business. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Rand wishes to stay. And he's my father! He's, like, so weird and loud about it that even Bran kind of gives him a funny look. Ah, uh, which I love. And Marie doesn't give a shit. She's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, stay. She's, like, negligently throwing her cloak and uh, staff onto a chair. She's like, whatever, whatever. You and Lan, just go over there in that corner of the room, and if you're going to talk, you can talk. Just make it quiet. <laughs> Moraine's all business right now, and I love it. Did, did, did I fail to mention I have this little crush on Moraine? Too bad she's a fantasy character, and even if she wasn't a made-up character, she would probably never look at me. But whatever, whatever, I can I can dream. Uh, <laughs> Moraine kneels beside uh, the bed and puts her light hands lightly on Tam's chest. Uh, I believe she is delving at this point, which is interesting. And uh, this kind of makes me wonder... Does Rand, can Rand already feel the one power? I'm just saying, he's watching her before she sits down to put her hand on his chest. And he's a little nervous. She was looking at Tam from feet to head, but Rand got the prickly feeling she was looking beyond him. Beyond him. Prickly feeling. Huh. That sounds familiar to later. 
Anyways, so yeah, she's she's delving uh, Tam, at least I think she is. Her eyes close, and she's not moving for a while, and Rand's all kind of confused. He's like, well, in the stories, uh, Aes Sedai wonders are always accompanied with flashes of light or thunderclaps, I don't know, to indicate great power. The power. And then this is interesting. This is, again, from Rand's point of view, the one power drawn from the true source that turns the wheel of time. How does Rand know that? Is that common knowledge that the one power is part of the true source that turns the wheel of time? Does everybody know what the one power is? It's it's a little odd and it's a little confusing what people know and what people don't know. It's just kind of interesting what this small town, you know, 19, 20 year old kid knows. I, I don't know. It's kind of confusing. Uh, and he's like, for all he could tell, Moraine might have gone to sleep. She's just so silent and unmoving. Uh, but Tam seemed to be breathing e breathing easier, unless that was part of his imagination. And he's like so focused on what's going on over there that he kind of jumps all suddenly when Rand, uh, I'm sorry, when Land speaks to him. Uh, and I love, of course, Land's first real words to him in the room are about swords. He's like, nice blade you got there. Is there a heron on the blade as well? And Rand's just like, uh, uh, yeah, there, there is. I don't know. Uh, what about it? And he's like, I wouldn't have expected to see a heron marked blade out here. And uh, Rand's like, well, um, yeah. And he's noticing that his and uh, Land's sword look a lot alike. I apologize if I say Tam Tom and Tam Rand Land. Like, I get them mixed up. You gotta admit, they're all the kind of same syllables. Tam Land Rand. It's a little hard sometimes. It's a little bit, a little bit iffy. Yeah, so he's, I wouldn't have thought to find a Herod Mark sword out here. Uh, and he's kind of only, like, half listening, and yeah, it's just a sword, my dad had it, I don't know how, um, and he's noticing Tam's rasping is gone, so something must be happening, uh, and, uh, this is where we, uh, strange thing for a sheep herder to buy, Rand's like, dude, stop prying, like, this is getting a little much, it's just a sword, let it go, <laughs> he's just, all he cares about is his father, to him, Land is just like, what do you want? God damn it. I'm trying to trying to do something, man. I'm trying to pay attention. Uh, and he's like, well, my dad said he had no use for it until last night. And Land's like, he called it useless, did he? He must not have always thought so. There are places where the heron is a sign of the master swordsman. That blade must have traveled a strange road to end up with a shepherd in the two rivers. And I'm like, dude, you have no idea... Uh, or, or wait, do you know? Like, d does Moraine and Lan know at this point who Tom is? I mean, Tam is? I mean, there's a reason Moraine came to Emmons Field looking for the Dragon Reborn, right? So she must already kind of have a clue it was a Two Rivers man that came back here. And Lan must already feel, like, completely assured. Like, oh, oh, this kid has a Two Rivers, uh, uh. This kid has a two rivers sword. That makes sense. This kid has a heron marked sword. Said it belonged to his father. I think we found the right guy. <laughs> uh, I hope I'm not rambling too much. Um, luckily, as I'm recording these, as time goes on, you know, episode nine, uh, it used to be kind of pause, uh, record, pause, record, pause, record, because I was kind of just uh, messing up my words too much, but now I'm just kind of letting it go for longer periods. It seems like I'm getting better at it, or I'm rambling more. I can't really tell. You guys let me know if I'm doing all right. Um, Moraine still hasn't moved. Was the Aes Sedai doing anything? Well, yeah, you've already noticed that your dad's doing better. Why? Calm down. He's like, He's already commented that his dad's breathing is better. His rasping is gone. I did... I, I don't, I don't know, but, like, as he's having this thought, Rand shivers and rubs his arms. I swear, he can already sense Sidar. That has to be it. Prickly feeling, shivering, and rubbing his arms. He can already feel Sidar being used. And that's cool. I love it. Uh, this is when an unpleasant question comes to Rand, and is when he's finally kind of more into talking to Lan. He's like, the mayor said that the village would be almost non-existent without the two of you. Uh, if you had heard that there was a man in black, that when he looked at you, you felt fear, 
and his wind didn't move in the uh, his his wind didn't move in the cloak. His cloak didn't move in the wind, and his horse made no sound. If you had been hurt, if you had been told about this, would would it have made any difference at all? Could you have stopped it? And Moraine finally speaks. She's like, "Not without a half dozen of my sisters. If I'd known there would have been Trollocs and Murdral in the two rivers, I'd have brought a half a dozen of them, a dozen even, if I had to drag them by the scruffs of their necks." Is this true? I mean, Moraine is on a secret mission to find the Dragon Reborn, only known by the Amarlin Sea. Why would she bring a dozen Aes Sedai here? Would she even have control over who's coming? How would she know it wouldn't be reds and greens? And I, 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 how would she know they're people she could trust to see and meet Rand? I mean, later on, we've got these Aes Sedai just noticing the boys are Taviran and going, they can't be left alone. They must be, they must be taken in or bonded or maintained or just watched. Just because Taviran, not even can channel to Viren. I don't know how Moraine would have been able to control the situation with that many Aes Sedai. I mean, we know Moraine is the best Aes Sedai. I mean, at least that's my opinion. If you have another, another, you're just, you're just wrong. You're, you're just wrong, okay? The only Aes Sedais that can even come near Moraine are Varen Sedai. Yes, use that honorific, you jerks. Varen Sedai and Cadswain Sedai. Those are the only ones that can really approach Moraine. I'm not counting the Wonder Girls because, let's be honest, they're barely Aes Sedai, okay? They're barely Aes Sedai. I'm not going to go into it because they never kind of fall into the same tropes the other Aes Sedai do. They never let themselves be bound by the same customs. So they're not... They're, they're kind of a different breed. They're a new generation, so I don't really want to classify them in the old ones. Um... Yeah, she's like, well, could you have done anything? Moraine's like, not without a bunch of my sisters. Uh, by myself, a month's warning would have done little difference, and there were at least a hundred Trollocs in district last night. An entire fist. Uh, so Moraine's pretty like, you know, not really. There's nothing we really could have done. Take it easy. It's all right. But Land is much less easygoing than that. He wants to know everything they knew about the Fade, but Moraine shuts him down. She's like, nah. I will not have these boys, or especially this boy, I mean, probably Rand, uh, blame themselves for something that cannot be changed. We're not going to deal with it. Besides, it's partially my fault. Uh, it could not have been helped. The, more, the raven from Chapter 2, you know, the raven that kept watching them and they threw rocks at it and it just stepped out of the way comically. She's like, that raven should have given her a clue. And that she was overconfident to the point of arrogance to believe the Dark One's touch has yet to reach this far. And Rand is confused about the whole Raven thing. He's like, what? what? And like, what about the Raven? And that's when Lan explains, Carrion Eaters are often used as the Dark One's spies. Things that feed off death. Ravens, crows, rats. And this makes Rand nervous because Ravens and crows have been everywhere as of late. Also, like, uh, back when I was, uh, living in Oregon, I keep saying back when I was living in Oregon, but I don't know, I have a lot more stories from there. Uh, I used to go out to a, a specific area to, uh, smoke my cigarettes, and to be honest, there was times I just, like, didn't smoke because there was a bunch of crows hanging in the tree over there, and I was never comfortable around crows, probably because I read this. <laughs> I see a black bird with shiny eyes and a sharp beak, I'm just like, I know you're evil. I know you're going to go run off telling tales about me, whether they're true or not, you evil birds. I don't <laughs> I don't know. Are you going to honestly tell me you can see a crow or a raven nearby you and you're not a little bit nervous? You're just like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just way too into this stuff. But, you know, those kind of predatory birds kind of freak me out. Sometimes they go out here and there's, um, I, I don't even know what they are. I've been, I've been told they're turkey vultures. Um... And there's like, sometimes you walk outside and there's like a dozen of them gliding across over the house. And I'm sitting here going, well, shit, if the chihuahuas went outside, uh, they'd probably be carried away. <laughs> I mean, these birds are huge. Birds of prey are scary, guys. They are scary. Um, so I, I'm sorry. Back to Rand. 
The Dark One was there. Everyone knew that. But if you tried to walk in the light, if you tried to live a good life and you never named him, he couldn't harm you. That's what everyone learned with their mother's milk. I, 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 is that supposed to be a thing about breastfeeding? Like, you learned from the cradle? Is that what that's supposed to be? Just a different variation on that? Uh, you learned from your mother's milk. But Moraine seemed to be saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Dark One doesn't give a crap if you're good or not. If he can mess with you, he will. <laughs> especially if you're, you know, tied to the fate of humanity. Like, that that, that might especially draw his attention. I, I don't know. So, yeah, he's looking down at his father, and Tam looks so much better, and he's already relieved. He's like, whew, oh my god, you healed him. And Moraine's like, not yet. Hopefully not yet. And then she explains why Rant Tam's wound is so bad. And this is where we get our first talk about Thakandar and Shail Ghoul, perhaps? I don't know. She talks about how these Shadow Spawn's weapons are forged in Thakandar on the slopes of Shail Ghoul. And we kind of know how it is. I don't remember which book, but it's a later book. And I think Demon Dread is going in to meet the Dark One. And then you see, like, these uh, humans that are captured uh, from the Borderlands are kind of dragged in and they're kind of killed and their blood is used to quench the swords with pure evil. Uh, it's just horrible. Horrible. Would you ever give one of these to a Trolloc? I don't know. I don't think the Trollocs are careful enough for Thakandar blades, man. Like, maybe Trolloc captains, but a Trolloc captain's probably not that much smarter than, you know... The dumbest Trolloc. I don't know. I, I would stick to only giving Merdral Thakandar blades, you know? I don't know why you're giving one to a Trolloc, because I don't think we uh, ever hear of a Trolloc blade doing this again. I think from then on, it's always, well, shit, got cut by a Merdral, you know? And even that's inconsistent, you know? If 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 the Merdral that uh, attacked Tom Marilyn was chasing down Rand and Matt later in this very book had a Thakandar blade... Tom wouldn't have gotten away with just a limp. It's just it's just so inconsistent, guys. It's so inconsistent. Yes, so, uh, again, I'm rambling. Uh, yeah, the blade is tainted, and it creates a stain of evil and taints the person they are attacked at. They are attacked with. So she has only soothed Tam's pain. Uh, but left alone, the taint will grow all over again and consume and kill him. Again, this sounds like the dagger. We're, we're, we're using some stuff here, I guess. Uh, and I love how at this point, like, Rand is already being mouthy with Aes Sedai and shit. You know what I mean? And he's like, but you won't, right? Half plea, half command. And even in the back of his head, he's like, whoa, should I really be talking about this way to an Aes Sedai? And then the other half of his head is like, he's my father. So <laughs> it needs to go. It needs to go. The, the the only thing that would make this scene better is if Loyal was sitting there in the corner with, like, his giant whisper going, No! Don't anger Aes Sedai! Angering Aes Sedai is like, you know... I don't know. That's the only thing that would make that, that scene more enjoyable to me. Uh, Moraine is exhausted. She's had no chance of rest for the night before. Uh, so, yeah, she says this is going to be difficult. And she pulls out her Angrial. And Rand looks at it and she's like, this is my Angrial. And Rand sees it and steps back. And I'm like, Rand knows what an Angrial is too? For reals? What does this dude not know? Like, does he already know everything? It's weird. It's weird. I mean, they, he makes a point to say that they were talked about in the stories. But still. Um... So, yeah, we get a description of her Angrial, which means every picture I've ever seen of it ever is wrong. It's age darkened to a deep brown, and every picture I've seen of Moraine's Angrial has been white ivory, not age darkened ivory. So, yeah. Moraine says that they've lost the making of Angrial, and that Moraine wasn't, was almost wasn't given permission to take it from the tower, but the Ivorland seat did, luckily enough. So that means Tam will be saved because without the Angrial, she wouldn't have the strength to do it. Moraine is a talented healer, but this is kind of a lot. You know what I mean? Uh, again, I don't know why she's small talking with him about, you know, that the Amerlin seat let her take the Angrial unless it's a Taviran thing or, is it, or else she's just talking to keep his nerves in check. I mean, she's got to know he's on the verge of a panic attack, so I... 
I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, anyways, she bends back over Tam, one hand on his forehead, one on the ivory figure, and a look of concentration covers her face and she barely seemed to breathe. So, yeah, Maureen is currently healing Tam. Uh, I do like that Rand really doesn't see anything besides the goosebumps on his arms, right? Like, totally sensing Sidene at this part. I, I'm, I, I'm gonna double down on it. I think he can already sense Sidar. I think I said Sidene a moment ago. Uh, I think he can already tell Sidar is being channeled, and I think that's fascinating. Um, I also want to bring to the point, uh, yeah, again, I like who Rand can't see anything being done, and that leads him to being a little concerned. Uh, and I hope they kind of do this in the show, like that they make Moraine's uh, use of the One Power very mystical in the beginning. Like, everybody's watching her just throw out her arm and suddenly there's this thing of fire or the mask of mirrors and she's suddenly tall. Or, But once you have characters in reach that understand what happens, like, seeing her do all this in a mystical sense now, fantastic. I love it. But once Moraine, uh, Egwene and Nynaeve and Elaine can channel pretty well... We should be able to see some of this stuff. I think that would be a very interesting thing to do in the show. Uh, and, you know, at least that's what I'm hoping for. That it's kind of a varying perspective. Like, remember in um, Tanchico when uh, Agu uh, Nynaeve and Mogidian are fighting out and they actually make a point of, if anybody walked into this room, they just see two women glaring at each other like death with sweat pouring down their faces. Um, I think this was kind of talked about in another uh, Wheel of Time podcast. I cannot remember which one. I've listened to several. Um, and they said it would be kind of cool. And I agreed. If it's like um, you see the camera in like a rotation... And, uh, like, in one rotation, you just see these two glaring at each other with the music, right? And then in the next rotation, you can see the weaves they're throwing at each other. And then it goes back around again, and it's nothing. I mean, that kind of stuff is what I kind of hope for when thinking about how the One Power might be shown in the show. I, I, I want it to be depending on who's there. If there's no one, if there's only one Aes Sedai, yeah, make it look miraculous and crazy. If there's other people that can see what's being happened, make it look a le little bit less fantastic. Because they're like, oh, so they're doing that and this and that, and that's how they're doing that. Cool. Yeah, no big deal. Um, I've gotten way off traffic topic yet again. Way off traffic? I, I guess I'm not done stumbling my words, am I? Holy crap. So, this is where Land starts talking again. Yeah, because finally I'm back on topic. <laughs> Meanwhile, Land drops the news that the Black Rider was, in fact, a Murdral. And Rand's like, nah, uh Murdral are like 20 feet tall and breathe fire. And he kind of falls silent because Land's grinning at him. And he's like, sometimes, Sheepherder, stories are just stories. Half-man, lurk. Fade, Shadow Man. That's what they're called all over. Many different names. They're Trolloc Spawn, throwbacks to the human strain. And since the Forsaken were bound, they've been the brains that tell the Trolloc when to strike. Um, yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> that's funny. They're 20 feet tall and breathe fire. Oh, oh no. Um, yeah, that kind of, the different names of the Trolloc, you know, Half-Man, Lurk, Fade, Shadow Man, you know, it's, it's part of Robert Jordan's whole things change over distance, you know? Like how uh, when the Two Rivers folk are in Berlon or beyond, they're going to hear a story and they're like, oh, I love, I mean, they're going to hear a song. And they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I love this song. And they're going to try to sing along and they're going to be like, oh, wait, there's different words. What's going on? Because things change over distance. Part of the reason there's so many names for uh, Murdral. Uh, Rand is embarrassed and admits to Lan that they scared the living crap out of him. But Lan, as awesome as he is, tells him there's no need for shame at all. That Murdral scare him too. And that he's seen men who are so soldiers their entire lives freeze up and unable to even blink when a Murdral is in their presence. In the north, there's a saying, sheepherder. The look of the eyeless is 
fear. Isn't Lan like the coolest dude ever? I mean, come on, Lan is the greatest. Uh, and this is when he's like, I can think of a few things more dangerous than a Murdral. Is that, I mean, again, Murdrals are a bit less scary as the series move forward and Trollocs. I mean, I don't, you know. Rand says that when he was back in his, t uh, the farmhouse, a Trolloc talked to him and said a Murdral wanted to speak to him. And this gets Land's attention big time. He's like, you talk to a Trolloc? And he's like, no, no, the Trolloc talked to me, dude. It was weird. Like, there was this Trolloc named Narg, and he couldn't talk right. He was like, me, Narg, me, smart. You wait, let's go talk to Murdral. And then he tried to kill me and I raised my sword in time it was scary and complete luck dude and this is again where you see how awesome Lan is because Lan's face softened if a stone could be said to soften and he's like few can kill a Trollocs few can say they killed a Trollocs south of the borderlands boy and less can say they did it unaided less can say they did it unaided I mean I don't know. I guess Trollocs and Murdral are way, way scarier in book one than they are later. I mean, what, what is it? In, like, book two or three, Perrin's out, you know, cutting Murdral heads off in his underwear? I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just the boys are getting stronger. Maybe the Murdral are getting weaker. Maybe. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just... Maybe, ooh, here's the thing, maybe instead of inconsistent writing, it's that Lan and Moraine, you know, being as awesome as they are, Murdrals are no problems for them. No, of course not. So they're just like, they're just trying to play the boys, right? They're like, oh yeah, the Trolloc and the Murdral, they're the most dangerous things in existence. In existence! You be super careful and you stay to as close to us as possible. Maybe that's what we're doing here, right? I, I, I think I'd prefer to go with that avenue than kind of inconsistent writing, you know? <laughs> um, and Moraine is done. She's finally, oh, oh, there we go. It happened again. I tried to highlight the part of the notes I wanted to talk about and I went up two pages. Uh, okay, my, my, my note pages are getting big. I'm on like page 34 now. Okay. Moraine is done. She has finally healed Tam. Tam is doing better. Um, she kind of stands up and wavers, and she's like, Lan, help me, please. And Lan rushes over and helps her into a seat. And Rand is just as quick to get over his father's side, and his face was still pale and a bit sunken, but he looked a million times better regardless of that. And he is so unbelievable, th unbelievably thankful. I mean, he he cannot, he cannot, like... He cannot contain himself. He is so happy. Uh, yeah, Maureen unsteady on her feet. Land helps her. Poor gal, you know. She's been working herself to death. Oh, I love Maureen. Uh, and for some reason, Maureen discusses the decline of Aes Sedai. Um, she's like, you know, back in the Age of Legends, uh, it is said that the healers could flame, uh, fan a flame to life even if the barest embers remained. But now, little of us can do a, a, a third of that much. A third of that. You know, he's, he's just saying that so much has been lost. Talents have been lost. Powers have been lost. That that, that the very Aes Sedai are declining. declining. I... I, I, I I don't I don't know why she's talking about this. I don't. I mean, she's tired. Maybe she's just trying to talk. Maybe she's trying to keep Rand, like, around. Maybe this is Taviran. I'm getting tired of saying it's Taviran, but, like, why? Why? <laughs> What's the point of that conversation other than for us, the audience? What does that have to do with Rand? Okay. Anyways, Rand is, like, doubling down. I'll do anything, anything. Thank you so much for healing my father. He remembers to talk about Price, and he is even more sure than he was before. I mean, like, if Moraine had been a green right now, and she had said, okay, you become my warder because I need to keep an eye on you, probably Rand would have been like, okay, okay, whatever you wanted. Like, seriously, whatever you wanted. I, I, anything. Uh, Moraine just waves it off, though. She's like, nah, it's not a big deal. Uh...
Wow, sorry for the interruption, guys. I just nearly had a panic attack. I'm sitting in the middle recording, and then all of a sudden my screen goes black like my TV, my, like my uh, computer went to sleep. And I'm like, why the hell are you doing that while I'm in the middle of recording? I, I moved my mouse like just like 30 seconds ago. What made you fall asleep? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But I did get the cool satisfaction of looking at my previous audio clip and seeing that I've been talking for 30 minutes straight. I think that's the best I've done so far. Um, like, like I used to have to do a lot of starting and stops when I did this podcast. It's, you know, record for a little bit, stop, and, like, remember what I'm going to say, and then record for a little bit and stop. And now I'm getting these big chunks out, which either means, one, I'm getting more confident talking into the microphone, or two, I'm just rambling so much I don't notice how bad I'm doing. I don't know. You guys let me know. Am I doing okay? Um, is there anything I can do to improve? Uh, should I get right back to the chapter instead of rambling on about nothing? I'm guessing all of you are yelling yes. Okay, I'm going to do that now. So, yeah, yeah. So, Moraine waves it off saying they should chat and uh, they should do so right around the time they're going to be leaving, because they'll obviously all be leaving at the same time. And Rand's just like, wait, what? Wait, what? No, Nobody leaves the two rivers. No one ever goes. Uh, the poor dude thinks he's talking about the whole village, and it's kind of ridiculous. Like, it, it's a really dumb thought, Rand, and the only defense I can give the poor kid here is that... Uh, <laughs> He's been tired, he's hungry, and he's probably just, like, he's just come out of the worst night he's ever had in his life, okay? Just, I, but it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It really is. And he's like, I don't know who started this talk about leaving, one of the Coplins, I bet, but, and Lan interrupts with, again, another awesome, really cool line. He's like, you talk when you should be listening, sheepherder. Uh, I don't know how often he says sheepherder, but I seem to add that in whatever line <laughs> Tan uh, Lan has, because, like, straight up, uh, it does not say you talk when you should be listening sheepherder. It just, I added that last part in because it seems to fit. <laughs> uh, Moraine admits she was kind of hasty. She must have been more tired than she thought. She screwed up here. But I think we all know why she let this slip. Okay, everybody, let's say it together now. Taviran. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Or let's call it something else. Plot device. Uh, admittedly, though, I love Taviran as a plot device. It answers everything. You're like, well, how did he all of a sudden get what he needed? Taviran, dude. But that just sounds so easy. Yeah, Taviran, bro. Lucky him, right? <laughs> I love the Taviran plot armor. I love it so much. It's the best plot armor ever. I really think it is. Uh, and she's like, it's you who will be leaving. You who must leave for the sake of the village. And he's like, me? Why? And she's like, well, the Trollocs had a purpose, dude. Some homes were left alone while others were attacked as a distraction. But only two farms were attacked outside this village. Can you guess what one of them was? And he's like, it's my farm. She's like, yeah. And the other farm was the Abara farm. But seeing as it was festival, all a parents' folk were in town, luckily. I mean, isn't that great? They, they, they narrowly missed being killed by Trollocs. I hope that they're in town safely surrounded by everyone else the next time Trollocs come to town. Or more importantly, White Cloaks led by Pana and Fane. Uh, like, yeah, can we hope that now? Can someone make a retcon? <laughs> Parents' family dying is so sad, but at the same time, it's hard to feel really sad about it because this is like the only time they're ever mentioned. Ever. Like, like you feel bad for Parent for losing his family, but this is, like, one of the only times we learned Perrin has a family. Like, without this, why couldn't, why couldn't Master Luhan and Mr. Salvier just be his parents? I really don't get it. Like, why add this extra bit? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, for, uh, to be honest, when I first read Shadow Rising, I actually was wondering, like, wait, Perrin's family? Isn't Master Alvi Mr. Luhan? No? Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, so, yeah, lucky. Many were saved because the Fade was ignorant of Two Rivers Customs. How about that? Uh, they expected, you know, people to be at their farms. I mean, they were legitimately lucky Tam and Rand were home. If they had stayed in town like Rand wanted, and if Tam didn't want to go home and make sure the farm was fine, I just... It just could... It would have been better if they were in town. That's all I'm saying. Tam never would have gotten hurt if they were in town. Well, to be honest, we can't be sure of that. And, and at the same time, I don't think Tam would have gotten his hands on a proper weapon if they were in town. I, I don't know. So then, then it would have been possible. Rand might not have left with... Tam's sword. When, like seriously, when you think about it, and if Tam didn't, if Rand didn't have his father's sword, would he have been able to get the brand on his palm when he fought a Shamael in Book Two? Huh? Wow, the age lace is actually really impressive. So they had to go home so Rand could get the sword. I, I'd honestly never thought of it like that before. It's actually a really cool thought now that I think about it. They had to go home so Rand could have get the sword so that Rand could be marked in one of his palms by the heron when the sword melts. That's cool. That, yeah, that's awesome, actually. Um, where was I in the notes? I got really distracted. That was a really cool thought. Uh, many were saved because the Fade was ignorant about Two Rivers' customs. Here in the village, they struck first at the forge and then the coffin house. And Rand's like, that's crazy! And Moraine's like, not crazy, purposeful. They knew what or who they were after. The Trollocs came to kill or capture young men of a certain age around Emmons Field. And, you know, he's like, what? what, what? Uh, and she's like, don't worry, Matt and Perrin are fine. A little bit sooty and dusty, but fine. And Rand's like, but, but two other boys saw the riders too. And she's like, yes, but they were not the exact right age. One of them was like 10 months older and the other one was like 8 months younger. I didn't spend too much time on my notes in there because like writing down every Two Rivers name you hear is kind of hard. <laughs> but yeah, she meant of a certain age and Rand, Matt, and Perrin were all born within weeks of each other. Excuse me, I really need a drink. <sighs> Sorry about that. Um, What would they want with us? You know, we're just... Farmers and and, 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 and and just nobodies. What do they want with us? And Maureen's like, that is a question that has no answer in the two rivers. But it is important. Trollocs, where we haven't seen them in almost 2,000 years, tells us that much. Is that really... I think, is that really a question that has no answer in the two rivers, Moraine? This is the kind of stuff that makes me think you can lie. Because I'm pretty sure you know exactly why they're after you. You just don't know which one they're after. And that's giving you a little technicality to slip through. Okay? Uh, anyways, Rand is being obstinate. He's like, we don't have to go anywhere. I don't want to go anywhere. This is not what I want. You know what? It's, it's not just me, okay? Trolloc raids do happen, and warders fight Trollocs in the Blight all the time, and Lance just like, dude, okay? This is as hot of a raid as I'd expect in the borderlands, like Shinar or Saldea, not like 600 leagues to the south. Okay, I, I don't know if it's 600 leagues to the south. That just sounded right at the moment. Yeah, but, you know, Evans Field is to the south, so we can go with that. Moraine says, in one of you or all three, there's something the Dark One fears. And Rand's like, that's impossible! No, 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 I'm a shepherd. What in the hell can the Dark One want with me? This is not okay. This is not okay. Well, if you remember, Rand, he's called the Shepherd of the Night. Maybe he's looking for new recruits, huh? I mean, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, Land goes on that it took a lot of effort to bring this many Trollocs unnoticed into the two rivers. And he'd really like to know how, much, how it was done. And if they took that much effort, do you really think they won't do it again? Because they will be back. And this, 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 this kind of closes Rand's arguments, like, down. He's like, what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean they'll be back? But, but, you're an Aes Sedai, right? You can handle it. And Moran's like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know what? Yeah, 
Uh, I'll just call for a bunch of Aes Sedai and their warders to come down here. Hopefully they'll make it in time. Uh, and then we'll just turn the two rivers into this big epic battlefield between the light and the darkness. Let's do that. Yeah. And Rand's just like, oh, mm, okay, you know what? You know what? I Maybe we shouldn't do that. Like, Rand's seeing the whole two rivers in flame. And to Rand's credit here, he's not just thinking about Watch Hill and Devon Ride burning up. He's thinking about Tar and Fairy. How cool is that? Like, even this idea of Tar and Fairy being destroyed makes him a little sad. Wow, Rand obviously didn't inherit all of the older folks' prejudice against Tar and Fairy folk. <laughs> I mean, the only people that are bashed worse than the Coplins or Congers in this series is usually Tar and Fairy folk, so it's, it's nice to know Rand actually worried about them a little bit. So, yeah, Rand knew he was losing, and he's like, that's why I have to go, huh? They won't, co they won't come back if I leave? If they're really after me, and Moraine's like, really? You don't believe me yet? And even Lan's just like, come on, dude. Uh, but Lan ends all the arguments Ran has left with, are you willing to bet your whole two rivers on it? See? See? Okay, you know what? I have to redo that line again, because we all know how it should be. Are you willing to bet your whole river... <laughs> I can't, I can't even do lines. What is wrong with me? Are you willing to bet your whole two rivers on it? Sheep herder? <laughs> oh, I am horrible. I, I, I am so thankful to the, like, two people that might actually be listening to this. Um, even amongst all this, Rand has a thought that at least Tam would be better and that Tam could tell him all the shit on the quarry road was nonsense. Let it go, Rand. It doesn't matter if he's blood or not. He's your father and he loves you. I do not understand why this is such a big deal. I don't get it. I don't. I, I just... I just don't. If Tam was my dad, can Tam be my dad? Because if you're so, like, messed up about it, Tam is your father, Tam is your father. Well, you know what? Maybe Tam's my dad, too, because Tam is awesome, okay? I just, he won't let it go, and it's driving me crazy. Anyway, so Perrin and Matt have to go, too, don't they? Um, I guess we could hide in Barillon, I suppose. I mean, who could find us among that many people? Or Camelin? I've always wanted to go to Camelin. I've heard that there's even more people there. It's just... Oh, God. They're so ignorant of the outside world right now. It's actually funny. Um, yeah. But Lan just shuts that down. He's like, yeah, not Camelin. Walls are no bar for a half-man. And you're, it's just like, uh-oh. And Moraine says, there's only one place of safety. Tarvalin. In Tarvalin, you'll be safe. And in Tarvalin, if anywhere, you can learn why they are after you. And again, I just... Why? why? I, there, I just don't believe Moraine would actually bring the Dragon Reborn to Tarvalin before she's had time to explain things, okay? I just don't believe it. I just don't. And she knows one of these three is the dragon, right? Like, that's my understanding. Uh, let me know if I'm wrong, but I am certain that she's already trying to figure out which among Matt, Rand, or Perrin is the reborn dragon. Who is Luz Theramont? Theron Telamon brought back one of these three. So why would she bring them to Tarvalin? It doesn't make sense. And poor Rand, he's just sitting there in the room going, you know what? Being in a closed one, like, tiny room with one ice eye is bad enough. I'm not exactly sure if I want to go to an entire city of ice eye. That just, that just seems a little bit rough, you know? I don't know about that. <laughs> Uh, so Moraine's getting ready to leave, uh, and he's like, how long will my father sleep? I should tell him. He shouldn't wake up and just find me gone. And Moraine's like, you know, to be honest, 
we kind of need to leave tonight around nightfall. Uh, and it's not really very probable that your father will be awake by then. So just leave him a note. That'll be safest. <laughs> it just seems callous. Come on, Moraine. I know you're calculating and I know you are trying so hard to save the world, but you've just seen this dude go nuts about my father. You've got, you've got to, you've got to be a little bit more like, I, she, oh, whatever. She's tired too. Never mind. So Rand's like, oh, well, I should, I should go find Matt and Parrot and tell them. And she's like, I got it. You stay here. I'm going to have Mistress Alvere come up and bring you something to eat. And then you need to get some sleep because it's going to be a rough journey tonight. Uh, <laughs> and she puts that hand on her shoulder, on his shoulder. She's like, you know, telling him this and about to t take off. And Rand really tries not to flinch when she touches the so shoulder. I, how can you flinch? I, if Moraine touched my shoulder, I, I'd be like, oh shit, I'm honored. Moraine Sedai. I, I don't know. I'm weird, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so she'll have Mistress Albert bring him food, and she leaves. And he's like, oh man, I'm no longer part of the village. I, I'm, I'm the Shepherd of the Night wants me, and I'm not going to risk the two rivers. I, I have to trust the Aes Sedai, even if she might be wrong he's still kind of in that well maybe maybe not but like just in case i'm gonna have to go with her <laughs> and uh marin and bran arrive uh and she kind of lectures him immediately she's like i've just been talking to mistress moraine and the last thing that man needs is you to fall on top of him in exhaustion <laughs> and she's just bringing in some food and it's very amusing. This this end of the chapter is actually very light and happy to me. Uh, so much of this chapter was anxiety over Tam. And then uh, the deep conversation of the Trollocs and Merdral, why they're here. And the terror of the boys having to leave the only home they ever knew. So this last part is very fun because... You know, Bran's like, you cannot call her Mistress Moraine. You must call her Moraine Sedai. It's the proper way. And she's just like, I had a long talk with Mistress Moraine, and I have the gist of her, and I know exactly what needs to be done. And if you're going to keep impeding me, then I'll have Moraine Sedai go have some words with you. It's just great how she em emphasizes Sadai, you know, because he was saying, you know, Sadai, Sadai. I just, I, I it, it's very fun. Moray, um, Marin Alvir won that little confrontation with her husband because Marin Alvir is obviously the best good wife in the two rivers, man. So, uh, Rand has to be careful, you know, just because, you know, he's having to put his faith in Moraine doesn't mean he has to trust her completely. It is not too late to double-check some facts. So he asks Bran, uh, Master Alvir, uh, Mr. Mayor, do you know what other farms were attacked? And he's like, only two that I know. Your place in the El Baybara farm, it's lucky that no one was hurt too seriously, uh, other than Tam. You know, and Tam's better now. Uh, I'm paraphrasing a lot towards the end of this. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, so he's like, uh, do you know, uh, what the Trollocs might have been after? And he's like, after? I don't think they were after anything, boy, other than trying to kill us all. It was strange, like I said before, we were partying and drinking and exchanging gifts, and suddenly the dogs were snarling, and Mistress Moraine and Master Land come out yelling of Trollocs, and suddenly they were among us. Next thing we know, people are shouting that the forge in the Luhan's house is on fire, and then about something about Abel's house. Oh, that? It's in the middle of town. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, Rand's getting all the information he needed. Yep, turns out the Cawthon house flew, burned up next. I mean, it, it's he's getting all the information he needs. Uh, he thought about asking the mayor for advice about his whole situation, um, but it kind of stopped for two reasons. And that's basically, he's afraid of being laughed at, but he's even more of afraid of being believed, which makes sense. He's deciding he wants to talk about his father, talk, talk to his father about it when he wakes up. 
And uh, yeah, Rand needs some sleep. He's kind of pottering, and Marin's like, "No, you need it. You need to lay down. Why don't you go in the other room?" And Rand's just like, "No, no, please, please, Mister Selvier, please let me stay here. Please let me stay here with my father." Um, <laughs> sorry, I won't. The only way for me not to get angry about it is to make it a big joke. <laughs> it's just, it's not something that ever bothered me before. But this read through, especially, it just. I notice it every time, and it's bugging me. Um, yeah, so Marin kind of lets it happen. She's like, all right. Besides, from the look of you, you'll be asleep in any second anytime. anyway. So she leaves, Bran leaves, and Rand pulls up a chair to watch his father. He's like, even though I have barely eaten since yesterday, even though I've been up since dawn yesterday and then did all the chores and then walked to the two rivers and back three times and then, you know, trollocs and then, you know, running to get more rain and then all this, I'm going to stay awake because my dad could wake up any second and I need to talk to him about him being my father. Um, Because <sighs> that's how the chapter ends. Tam was his father nobody can tell him what he could and couldn't tell to his father he, he just will not drop it he just won't drop it I, I oh my god that's the end of our chapter eight discussion remember to stay tuned for uh like my thought on what Turangrial, the ring of tomerlin might be it's a bit of a goofy theory but i'm excited about it Alright, so real quick, my theory on the Ring of Tomerlin. Now, as you know or might not remember, the Ring of Tomerlin is a ring worn on the hand of the first among the servants, last worn by Luz Theron Telamon. It is rumored to have been created by and named after the first person to ever touch the true source, at least in this turning of the wheel, and is rumored to be either an extremely powerful Angrial, Saangrial, or Tur-Angrial. Now, it is my theory it is a Tur-Angrial, and that's because while I was going through the glossary, uh, I came across a term that sound very familiar to Tomerlin, and that is Ta Maral Ayelin, and this is old tongue for the web of destiny. A web of destiny, a reference to major changes and threads of the pattern of an age, associated with and woven around a Taviran, and it can be a long or short duration. Blah blah blah. So, is it just me, or does Tomerlin sound like a shortened word version of Ta Maral Ayelin? If it is a Tur-Angrial, and let's just say, just because these words sound alike, wouldn't it be interesting if the power of this Tur-Angrial was to make the said wearer to Viren? Or at least to have that effect? Like, honestly, it's a fun theory, right? Like, if Theron was wearing it, maybe it would have no effect on him, or maybe it would amplify the effect of him being to Viren. Or maybe a person in the Hall of the Servants, I mean the first among the servants, would wear the ring and they're not Taviran at all, but suddenly they have the power to be. Which is ridiculous to think about. Again, it's not a very long theory, and it's just based on the fact that Tomerlin sounds like Tomeral Ayala. It's just, it's just this little theory I cooked up, and I loved it. I could not help it. Uh, so yeah, that's the end of the podcast. And holy crap, we're we're pushing about an hour. We're almost to an hour. I, I I cannot believe we spent this much time on what's essentially a bottle episode. They were all just in one room, talking and healing Tam. That was it. Yet 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 I discussed it for an hour. <laughs> I'm having fun. Like this this is great. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, I'm betting tomorrow's podcast will be just as long or longer. Because that's probably going to be the one where Rand has the dream, uh, his first of the mysterious dreams, and if I remember right, one of the weirdest. Uh, and then he's going to talk to Tam about everything, and then we're going to have Moraine's story about Benetherin. It's going to be great. The next chapter is going to be great. But the podcast for that chapter is probably going to be long as well. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did like it, uh, 
give it a like if you're on YouTube or give it a good review if you're on a podcast website. I haven't put it up yet. Uh, I'm thinking next month I'm going to be signing up for a podcast hosting site. I mean, right now I don't even have my phone on to save money, so I can't get back on Twitter to advertise this damn podcast so (laughs) i need to get that back on so i can get back on twitter i need to get on a podcast hosting site so hopefully more people can listen to this they feel like it uh you know this is great if you have any criticism constructive criticism criticism if you just want to insult me for some reason uh if you want to send me something to talk about uh either put it in the comments below if you're on youtube or if you don't feel like it, you can also send it to gleemanradio at gmail.com. So, yeah, I think that's everything we got to cover. I, I don't want <laughs> this, this went on so long. Uh, I don't know if I'm happy about it or ashamed. Uh, <laughs> it's like, will somebody really listen to me talk about one chapter of The Wheel of Time for this long? I, I, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's it, everybody. Have a wonderful day wherever you are, morning, afternoon, or evening. Take care. Peace out. Bye.